Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? Man, I'm so freaking good. I'm like top of the world. So freaking good. <laughs> no, dude, I'm good. Uh life is uh life is amazing, right? There's just uh so many things happening right now, but so many of them are good. Uh add to that, it's like Christmas is coming. Some of us have decorations up. Some of us don't. You at home can take take uh, uh, take from that what you will. But no, I'm doing really well. The the excitement I feel for tonight's episode is high. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. So yeah, all things good. Andrew, how are you doing? I too am good. I'm a little sleepy. I had a, a weird sleep weekend. It's my weekend. It's Tuesday night. Um, <laughs> I just had a weird, I just couldn't get my sleep schedule right, which meant that I was like napping and then not sleeping at night and then napping again during the day and not sleeping at night. So it's just been a little bit um, irritating. And it worked out last night because I ended up working for a while. But um, yeah, just a little, a little tired. And I, I told Sam today, I was like, look, under no circumstances can you let me fall asleep before bedtime. Like if you must kill me, then do so. And at eight twenty-five, I was on the couch, and suddenly awoken. I was like, "Motherfucker!" You said you weren't. And I was like, "How did you not? How did you let me fall asleep?" She's like, "You, I was upstairs." It's like, (laughs) I mean, I gave you really clear instructions. (laughs) I don't understand why. Uh, And I felt bad because I I fell asleep listening to. Uh, our episode from last year for hopes and dreams for 2022 to try to compare against uh, what actually happened. Mm. And you know, I don't know what we talked about. So scrap those plans. Yeah. I, I lay down, I put my phone on my chest, I turned the volume up and then I woke up listening to uh, an episode from January of uh, <laughs> 22. So uh yeah that's where we're at so it was cool so i slept you know probably an hour which is great (laughs) now i'm not gonna be able to go back to sleep no i'm quite yeah you'll be fine we'll put give you some melatonin and have a couple beers it'll be fun you know you say that but uh as an expert in this field yeah (laughs) other than that i'm good though it's been uh it's been a good weekend i've gotten quite a bit done i think i've i've put the five Final touches on this year's Christmas decorations. I think every year we, you know, we try to grow our decorative spirit a little bit. I threw away hundreds and hundreds of feet of Christmas lights. Good for you. That's a hard thing to do. It wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out super easy. Threw them away, replaced some others. We got a big ass 11 foot tree this year. That's good. I'm, yeah, I like I'm a happy. big Christmas tree. The problem is, though, uh, the taller you get, the girthier you get. And we have kind of a, we have an interesting spot in our, uh, where we decide to put our Christmas tree that has a pocket door. So we're a little bit limited. And, and this year our, our door is uh, just slightly obstructed Obst- by the tree. Obstructed. So I think, I think next year we'll have to m- adjust the plan on where the tree goes because we 
you know, last year we had like a nine foot Christmas tree, which is the biggest tree we've ever had. And we're just going to keep growing. Yeah. Go 15. I think, I think next year we'll, we'll do, we'll have to get a different species of tree, I think. Um, yeah. Cause we have one of the fur varieties that's real full and. Yeah. Bushy. I like, I like the nobles. Yeah. I, I like the nobles for, for the taller trees. They're all, you know, sparse, but in a, in an attractive masculine yeah. way. Yeah. So I think we'll end up doing one of those next year. Like I, Lily I, Tomlin. Yeah, I think I want to. <laughs> I think I want to do fifteen. I think we. I think we could real reasonably if we if we dedicated the entire room. So we have like a half wall dining room mm. with a with an open ceiling. I mean, our our front room is two stories tall, which is silly because we could have two extra bedrooms right instead of. <laughs> All that open air, but we have that open air, which means that I feel like I need a twenty foot Christmas tree. Sure, you're 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 obligated by by way of yeah the, having the thing. Yeah, and I I my neighbor I know he does a he has like a fifteen foot artificial tree. Yeah, um, and it's steel framed, and he has a really similar layout to us. And he uh he has to get his wife on a stepladder. And then he goes up onto his landing and has a rope tied to the top of the top section of Christmas tree and is lowering the top half down, dangling over the landing while his wife positions the tubing uh, together. So I'm going to start a metal band and call it wife on a stepladder. Uh, There's something there. I think that sounds a little bit more like punk band, but <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe sure. Yeah. Maybe like a ska band. Yeah, ooh. Yeah. Here yeah. we go. Uh, Andrew, with that, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off. We have a lot to talk about, but so we do, do cut we me do, off. Because this is maybe our shortest intro. We're at uh, six minutes. Six minutes. It, it's been a year, and today we're going to break it down. Mm-hmm. This is the breakdown of the year in watches that was 2022. Yeah. And it's still 2022, but, you know, it's never too early. There's nothing happening. There's nothing new that's going to happen in 2022. It's zero. And if there is, we'll <laughs> round it up. <clears throat> With that said, Andrew, 2022, what happened? Go. Color. Color happened. Show did. We had so many new releases that were not new releases. Hey, it's the new colorways. And it's, and it's so and so introduces red, blue, yellow, and orange. Easter. Right. Pastel (laughs) colors. All year from everyone, ranging from Rolex to Omega to Notice to Zen, everyone had the Easter colorway special. How do you feel? I meh. yeah. Well, I, I like it. Well, I like that everyone that everyone embraced it. Those aren't for me, but more is more, and more is more better. I guess the question I'd have for you is, is it the excitement about the releases or is it the sort of me too aspect of it or is it something else? Because for me, what what this means is that a lot of watches. So, for instance, and I think the one that you had sent me perhaps to discuss tonight or at least the lean image was the Zen 556. Mm-hmm. Or Sin 556, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, for me, I don't see that as necessarily four watches, although it is four watches. What I see that as 
is this watch that I love. That and you I can't buy in standard colorways. <laughs> that's right. In a colorway that I might really like, right? Mm-hmm. So, for instance, for the Zen, I really like that red one. And I'm like, that's cool. I can get a red, red Zen 556. And that's dope, and I'm here for well, it. Well, no, you couldn't, but well, you can. You can pick them up. They're 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 on sale all the time. I I, I mean, I guess what I what, what the point I'm trying to make is if if you take a step back and look at this as this is an opportunity to get this watch you really like in a color that you're going to be excited about. That's cool. Yeah, but there's something about the uh, drumming it up as a new release was kind of my issue. Or the Johnny Come Lately aspect of it too, yeah, right? Yeah. No, I, I took issue, I think, with the uh, with the hype generated around new colorway releases. Sure. That, that I mean, I, I understand and expect that a brand doing something new draws attention to it, right? That's how you make money. It felt like a little bit of a cop-out for a lot of these brands who should have been releasing new stuff instead of dropping a new watch or instead of doing something big and exciting Easter colors. I think that, I just think the, the hype train was uh, not exactly aligned with what was being released. You know, it was very reminiscent of Tudor's blue. That, that wasn't exciting. That was cool, right? Blue Bay 58. That's dope. Does it deserve like teaser posts and ads and I mean that that thing's gonna sell itself. You don't need to get people excited about it. It's exciting already. So for the for the year of color, we're gonna give that what one and a half thumbs up. Yeah, I'm gonna give. Yeah, I'm a I'm, I'm like I'm a seventy five percent. That's a passing grade. And I'm a full thumbs up. I think I, I'm I like here the for year it. of color, but I, I I didn't like the way it was executed. Uh. Yeah. Would you, how would you define this year? Yeah. You know, for me, this was the year of, I actually think more so than any year we've been doing this. This was the year of releases that I didn't expect, but Mm. that I was absolutely stunned by, floored by, astonished Mm. by. Mm -hmm. So unlike prior years, when, Tudor released blue blue it's pretty okay this year Tudor kind of came hard in yeah they kind of came hard and you're gonna want us to talk about the Pelagos 39 and we're not gonna because the Pelagos 39 is fine but it's actually hear me out just a fucking black bay yeah (laughs) it's just a 58 you guys in titanium with 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 Pelago's hands. Okay, so enough about that. I'm pumped about the Tudor Ranger. Yeah. And that was a line that I was like really sad that they decided to discontinue. It didn't make sense to me. Yes. And and then they made it made sense. And and, and you know, Tudor Tudor didn't just do that either. They they had their uh you know, the pro fine. I, I don't love that watch. I think a lot of people don't love that watch, but I don't think it's bad either. But for me, the Ranger indicates that Tudor is here for it. Like, mm-hmm. we're, we're not just the Black Bay. We're not just the Pelly. We're not just the Pelly. We're, we're the Black Bay Pelly and the <laughs> Ranger. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that 
that watch is the right size. I think it's the right aesthetic. I think that it does something that I am here for. Right? I, yeah. I want the North flag and I think it would be absolutely probably the surprise of 2023 if we didn't see something like a North flag mm-hmm. hinted at or, or released in yeah. 23. But the Ranger to me says, hi, we're Tudor. We're going to do watches. You're going to be able to buy them. Yeah. And you're probably going to like them. I think the Prince and the Ranger from Tudor are two of its most important lines for that reason. They are straight Swiss luxury. They're really well made. And they're not the... And I don't, I don't think those are the watches that people think of when they think of Tudor because they put so much money into the Black Bay line. They put so much money in the Pelagos that Tudor is is kind of perceived as just a sport watch, younger brother Rolex. But then when you see things like even the Black Bay 36, you see the Prince, you see the Ranger, there's this really deep catalog that they're executing really well. And, and I think they deserve more love. So I think, yeah. Deep catalog, deep cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I've worn a ranger <coughs> and I've played with a ranger. I'm sorry, I know you're still upset about that. <laughs> and you I, live across the street from me. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, I, I have no complaints about that watch. I was gonna ask you if you had any complaints, but <laughs> Andrew, I'm, gonna fart, I'm gonna fart in here right now. <laughs> We're just stuck. Uh what's next? We next thing I want to talk about, and, and we don't have to spend a lot of time about it, but I was so excited by what Tiso did with the PRX mm. this year and last. And this year they like they they put the flag on top with the 35 millimeter PRX and they dropped it in a bunch of colorways. Yes. Yep. I am here for it. Somehow Tiso took this this line that existed in their catalog and they made it truly their flagship. That's where they're putting all their money. That's where 100%. they're putting all their development. And it's their most forward-facing line, right? It's it is the thing. And it became the darling of of small watch brand people and big watch brand people at the same time they did this really cool thing in this really affordable package and i'm i'm excited to see how they continue to generate this momentum or if if maybe it's the and and i think honestly the prx has had its moment in the sun and it's probably just gonna be you know it's gonna be a thing of 2022 but damn it is it's cool and what tiso did this year was really neat with respect to the PRX and they didn't stop doing other stuff. Tiso kept their, kept their, their momentum going everywhere else, but they, they did a great job capitalizing on the really grassroots and organic momentum generated by the PRX. When I think, and I think that there's something else there and I think it's okay for a brand to have a flagship and to play that flagship hard. And you know, it'll be interesting to see Tiso has always seemed like a, fairly identity less yeah kind of boring but company to me but don't need to be and and this feels like for the first time that i've been into watches tiso's got a a real place and (laughs) they've got 
you, you, you know, their flag is in the ground, mm-hmm. as you said, and n- now people have to try to come get it. I, yeah. I'm, I'm stoked for this watch. I'm stoked for, for Tissot. Um, but I think you're probably right. I think we're going to start to see it maybe fade a little bit because at some point, right, it's hard to, to do a lot with this. But yeah. certainly they're not done. I, I would be surprised if they were done with it. Yeah, it's like a 60, 70 sport watch. If you don't know the PRX, you know, where have you been? Right. Um, <laughs> Please I, crawl out of the hole. Yeah. it It'll be cool to see what they move with next like if they're going to keep this this vintage feel the 60s 70s design feel and use that as their primary catalog driver for future releases or if this was just a flash that you know they had this thing and it happened to coincide with what people wanted at the time yeah yeah well i i I think we're past um I, i think we're past flash in the pan at this point yeah, I mean, there have been no subsequent flashes, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, sticking with Swatch Group, uh, perhaps we should talk about probably the biggest watch story of the year, which was Omega. Oh, I thought you were talking about Ming. Oh. <laughs> that was this year, right? That was early this year, Ming's fucked up hands. Perhaps. Not something we prepared for the show because not something we're going to talk about. But I do think you're right. Uh, no, I'm talking about the other <laughs> most important story of the year, which was Omega collaborating with Swatch in-house collaboration. We made a word for that, and I can't remember what it was. Uh, but the release of the Moon Swatch, which love it or hate it, certainly the watch release of the year, the most important watch release of the year, the most talked about watch release of the year. The most controversial by far. By far. Uh, there have been a ton of breakdowns on this release in the last several months. Um, many of them really critical with the way Omega handled this release or perhaps the way Swatch handled this release. Uh, I, I, I don't frankly find a lot of value in rehashing that. Uh, what we can say, though, is that this is something that's really cool in what it means for the way Omega Swatch Group is going to handle releases moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember a watch being released, a sub? I don't I, I mean, any watch. Do you remember a watch being released that was in this high demand ever? Still today, you no, cannot because buy these. Things. So much of it was artificial, right? I mean, they decided they were going to only sell out of brick and mortars, which is a really weird decision to make in such a globalized and like div- what's the word? dispersed market, right? If you don't have a Swatch store nearby, yeah, you're not getting this watch, and they were not apologetic about it. It's like fuck you, go wait in line. Right. Like come into our store. This this had, you know, pioneering technologies in the bioceramic that I mean, it's for them, right? Sure. When we're talking about a Swatch Group and Omega and Swatch, this is new. It was the it was I, I recently complained about Snoopy on a Speedmaster. 
and and I never thought I would I would ever have to talk about seeing Swatch on a Speedmaster. <laughs> but evidently I do. Yeah. All right, this is this is bizarro land that totally worked. And I think I think perhaps they just weren't expecting it to work so well. Right? I mean, it was the Disney equivalent of Frozen. It's like, yeah, we'll do this. And like, son of a bitch. This is the biggest movie of the decade. Yeah. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> we he, might have fucked this one up. Yeah, you know, I think they're at full capacity on these two. I think they're making these as fast as they can, short of, you, you know, it, it sharply increasing the amount of these that they're making, which probably would have a deleterious effect to their overall plan. Um, I don't think they can make them fast enough to sell them to the people that want them. Um, there was some concern when these came out that they would diminish the value of the Speedmaster. I don't think that that's a real concern. No, um, it's wholly different. You know, the X thirty three doesn't diminish the value of the Speedmaster Pro. Sure, the X thirty three is objectively better, <laughs> and the Speedmaster <laughs> Pro is objectively more expensive. But there is something to be said for... I don't know if it's actually more expensive. The fact that... I don't remember a company like this doing something like this. You you, you know, Adam RPK or or Patek Philippe is not releasing cheaper versions of their flagship watches. While also putting the branding of that watch on the face. This isn't a... Redux. This isn't a coat like this isn't a collaboration in in the way that we typically see it. This is a this is a whole line of Speedmaster made by Swatch. Yeah, and it works. This is this was one of the strangest things, and that it worked. I think is is probably the story here. It is not like the failings of it, but the success is the story. So I'm gonna give the I'm gonna give the moon swatch a thumbs up. I'm giving it two thumbs up. It's super cool. The so mission to Mercury is dope. Three thumbs up. I think I'm a Pluto guy, or perhaps a Mars. Uh, but I love the Pluto inclusion too because Pluto hasn't been planet in <laughs> what ten like maybe ten years. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That that's and they're right. like, no, fuck it. Pluto gets its own watch when when the, the Pluto was a planet. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, this thing is dope. And and it it makes no sense. It makes all the sense. It is a speedmaster produced by Swatch and in no way devalues or takes away from the the speedmaster itself. It's just a different iteration. And maybe that's part of the part of it is because the speedmaster has so many iterations already. You know, we have the pro, which is what we all think of, and we have the reduced, and we have you know the nine dozen different variations and colorways, and like, I think you could probably find a new Speedmaster every fucking day for yeah. a year. And if you kept digging, you would. I think you could probably go further than a year. First Omega in space, blah blah blah. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm here for it. We've given it three thumbs up. It's dope. I like it. Uh. I also talk, wanted to talk about this. So, shoot. Do we know. just start over again? Yeah. Um, so, w- we saw a cool release this year in the way of an unusual collaboration. 
that kind of drove people crazy. Yeah, the I hate swatch. it personally. Uh, you, you know, really reduces right. the value of the Speedmaster. Plastic Speedmaster. You Trash. Can, you can buy the shit out the back door from Ollie, mm-hmm. which, by the way, that um, that Ollie out the back door, not out the back door that Will got to, to see if it was out the back door <laughs> was a really good <laughs> clone. <laughs> the movement was wrong. Yeah. But <laughs> it was Omega and Swatch branded. <laughs> right it was yeah like and the photos of it when he bought it didn't have the speedmaster logo or the omega logo at the 12 like on the aliexpress the, the listing yeah. photos yeah <laughs> but when he got it he sent us pictures i'm like that shit's branded Ooh. <laughs> and then he popped it open to find out that it wasn't in fact a um it wasn't out the back door which is fortunate for everyone um <clears throat> another cool release this year that was about a year in the making. What's the Doxa Army? Yeah. And it is, you know, super fucking cool. They started with their ceramic release. And that, that went like hotcakes, as you would expect. Well, it was limited and yeah. analog shift limited. Yeah. But then it came in on all steel. And honestly, it made me really question my future Doxa acquisition. I love the style. I love the story behind it. I love the blue Doxa. I think I might like this one more. Yeah, you're here for it? I'm here for it. This is a, I'm 100% on board with it. The uh the drama associated with it it's totally a non-issue for me. Maybe perhaps m- makes me want it more. Yeah, between this and the Synchron, is there any competition in your mind? Uh, if I could get a Synchron, I would. But I, I like buying brand new in box. Yeah. That's a thing that I have. Uh, you know, whatever. I like to be the person to open the box. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that makes sense. I think <laughs> it's a great watch. 2000 bucks. Um it's price lined and spec'd up with every other Doxa, right? I mean, it, it's right. it's a it's a three hundred T, with a different dial. That's right. Which, as between the three hundred and the three hundred T, I prefer the T. Yeah, yeah. I think this is great, frankly. Yeah, there's not much, there's not much to say about it, right? It's a Doxa. It's a Doxa. <laughs> it's, it's it is exactly what you expect of it. Nothing is going to truly wow you. It's it's just a fucking baller tool watch. Do you go black bezel or green bezel? Mm, I go black. Yeah. I think I, I'm about the black. I really like that green that they've used for this thing. I, I do too. I honestly I would I would go the ceramic if I could. I, I'm not I'm not a huge fan of the tan Fotina dial. Yeah. I'd prefer it in white. But I'm I'm apparently a custom dial guy. I like everything about the watch but the dial color. <laughs> Whatever, that's just I have a problem. But I, I, I mean, I, I think if I were gonna, if I were gonna get one of these, I would be comfortable getting a ceramic secondhand. I'm here for it, dude. Yeah, these are cool, and they're they're just just weird enough. There's enough story to it. Yeah, this was a cool release this year. I think my favorite release of the year. Mm. 
also comes from a, com- a company that I think is similar to Doxa in some ways. Doxa, obviously, uh, kind of a, what I'd say is a, like a, a reissue brand, you know, basically revitalized in its modern form by Rick Murray of Synchron. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, this guy was an enthusiast and he was like, this is this cool brand that n- needs to be... Needs to be a part of the landscape. Needs to be a part of the landscape. And, you know, in, in some ways, it, the designs of Doxa are anachronistic and old, but also in some ways, they're sort of avant-garde. And um, I, I'm, I'm here for it. Another brand... They're, they are very, very, very much like Bok Talk, right? They are, yeah. they are these really classic designs that were cutting edge on their inception and have remained so. They just have been out. They're just dated. You know, not dissimilar to another brand that had a much different trajectory, (laughs) but I think in some ways is similar. And that is Tag Heuer, Mm -hmm. formerly Heuer, uh, brought from the brink of extinction much earlier without ever... Tom Brady and Quartz. ...really letting go. Tom Brady and Quartz, that's right. (laughs) Um. Uh, Tag Heuer has, I think, been maligned in recent years for, you know, just making decisions that were based on the bottom line and and not focusing on their watches in the way that a, a fan of Tag Heuer would, would wish they would. Mm-hmm. However, in recent years, Monaco has been reissued. Carrera has yeah, been a reissued. Lot of, a lot of iterations of Monaco and Carrera. And in 2021, Tag Heuer re-released the Aquaracer 300, which came out and it was like, oh, damn, this is pretty cool. It's big and it's a lot. This is a more is more watch in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Tag, you're, you're, you're back. Welcome back to the party, my friend. Welcome back. And Tom I, and Tiger brought you here. <laughs> I think this year they put a capstone on that event when they released the 200 meter Aqua Racer 200. This for me is the tech lawyer. And some of that's personal to me in my own watch growth and watch story. This was the, the Aqua Racer was really the watch that sort of I first glommed onto. And, and in some ways it, it was the watch that kind of defined what I like in watches. Uh, when they re-released this last year, I, I was tentatively excited. They released a quartz version, and and then they released the Aquaracer Professional 200 Date, is what they called this I th- thing. I really thought you were going to get one of these. I was surprised you got a Formex in lieu of this. You, you know, this is I, I, it's it's twice as much as a Formex. So so let's yeah, let's twenty eight hundred bucks. That that's right, but. I think this is still on the table for me because this does so many things that I really like. The bezel is, you, you know, that funky sort of, they, they did not, they did not shy away from their DNA. Um, they fully showed up. What's a 12-sided? A, a dodecagon? It's okay. It's a dodecagon. Dodecagonal bezel 
they fully showed up. They said, this is where we come from. This is what we do. 200 meters. The 300 meter watch is too much. The Aqua Racer 300 meter watch it's is big. That's a dive watch. I don't want a dive watch. I want a small watch that I can wear to the office that makes me feel like I could someday if I felt frisky. Get wet. Go dig up a underwater treasure. And this is that watch for me. Fantastic movement, caliber five, wonderful finishing, great size, 40 millimeters. All of the things that Tag Heuer should have been doing for the last 25 years, reduced to a single watch, boom, boom, pow. It's not crazy. It's not big. It's not insane. It's a small dive watch that's made to fantastic specifications with a great movement that is affordable. This is the watch. This is my favorite watch of the of the year for sure. This 100%. Is, it's a cool release. And the the off-color loom in blue for the minutes and second hand. Yeah. Is they do the same thing. They like, do the same thing on the on the black dial. Yeah. So it, it's just it's just enough. Like BGW9 on the on the hands and like a C1 or C3, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's they nailed this. They nailed it. I I mentioned you know multiples of their ambassadors. I don't think there's another brand that has ambassadors the same way that Tag does. Maybe T Cell. Name T Cell ambassadors. Well, hold on, let me Google it. Yeah, that, that's what I mean though. I mean Tag always has these. Athlete ambassadors: Damian Lillard, Clay Thompson, Clint Capella. Neat. Did you know that before the googling? Yeah. No, you did not. Yeah, I did. No, because you googled. I watched it happen. I can see it in your glasses. <clears throat> and a bunch of people I don't know. Tag Heuer does a really Tony interesting. Parker. Oh my god, they do this really interesting thing with their brand ambassadorships. That Primo. Fucking shit, Everett. <clears throat> Okay, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. Something different. Um, <laughs> we should move on. We talk about the Seiko GMT. We should because holy, holy shit, shit! What? 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 Here we are. We've been in the last, you know, however long GMTs have been around, kind of lamenting the. Not that long, by the way, by the way right? Yeah, they're relatively recent invention, and they've been expensive. You know, when um, Baltic and Laurier dropped their GMTs using what at the time was the most affordable movement, and we were looking at sub-thousand dollar GMTs, we were elated. Elated. We were so happy that we now had a... GMT, a true GMT movement. And those used to the SoProd, is that right? <clears throat> yeah, they were both using SoProd. In the relatively affordable category, that wasn't Quartz, right? Because Quartz GMTs are a wholly different game and they exist much more affordably. But we're talking a mechanical GMT movement under $1,000. And obviously there was the bit of the kerfuffle of you know, the, the disparity between Laurier's price and Baltic's price and... That's neither here nor there, but the fact is we now have a truly affordable 
GMT movement in the space, which has encouraged. Well, I, I don't know. Obviously, Citizen slash Boulevard was must have been in development before this thing dropped. But we, I assume that the development of one encouraged the other. So now we have two yeah. affordable automatic GMTs, which we could expect that the, the Boulevard version or the Citizen version already being available in several watches that have come out. And we can assume the Seiko, once once production is scaled, also going to be available. Kind of revolutionary. Yeah. The, so we're looking at a sub $500. Not a sub $500 movement. Sub $500 watches with a mechanical or an automatic, but with an automatic GMT movement. This is something to behold. This oh, also, cool. the watch is fucking bangerang. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a it's a banger. It's it's like, I mean, it's a, it's a GMT SKX, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, there, there's no other way to describe it. It's the Seiko Five, but it's rad, dude. It's have you have you worn one? No. Oh, dude. God, they're rad. I'm sorry. Hey, take it easy. What? You t- you're the one throwing things around. But this is so cool. This is, I think. One of the most under-the-radar biggest hits of this year was the release of this movement and the pioneering of affordable GMT technology. I cannot wait to see how this is implemented across the affordable watch space because it just made GMTs accessible to all the brands that we know and love at a price point that we're going to be ready to stomach. Can I say two things about this watch? No. You may say one. Okay. This is what I'll say. That was my pick and you stole it. I was I was angry. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't let you talk about the Tag Warrior Ambassadors? No, because you Googled and then talked shit on it. <laughs> can I say my other thing? Yeah, you can say them both. Uh, I don't I don't remember what it was. <laughs> But can we talk about Seiko for just a little bit longer? I think we have to. Because there's another watch that Seiko released this year. And instead of being new and cutting edge and bleeding edge, which you don't like, uh, it's old. Yeah. Seiko released something old this year. Seiko released their KSK reissue, King Seiko, the SP. PB2XX lineup. Um, this is a relatively faithful homage to a vintage Seiko, which is not in and of itself notable, right? Seiko does this all the time. That's the thing that they do. But this watch, this watch is important. And I think that the context being... Grand Seiko was the winner of the King Seiko Grand Seiko sweepstakes. And Seiko grew Grand Seiko into a, a, a baby. And one day that baby grew wings and it flew away. And it's, is that a little like weird that they won their own competition? Yes. Because there's some, there's some conflict of interest there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and now that Grand Seiko has completed the circle by way of 
detaching enough. itself <laughs> from mommy and daddy, emancipating itself. Uh, Seiko <laughs> appears poised, if you ask me, and you, <coughs> because you've opined the same, appears poised to have another a back pocket. Is, is, is Seiko just going to like keep spawning <laughs> luxury, like more expensive than Seiko brands, like just brands that surpass its own <laughs> ability. And, and at some point they're just going to start making them up. Like you guys haven't heard of this brand. You're, you might be unaware of Prince Seiko, <laughs> but Prince Seiko, let us tell you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. So I I uh, love this watch. I love it so much that I've put my money where my mouth is mm-hmm. and and purchased one, which I own. And it's I my front pocket, <laughs> <laughs> which I now own. Um, and, and and sadly, because of other things going on in my life, I don't wear any watches anymore, besides one. Uh, but this is a watch that just a few months ago was getting really regular wear um it's small it's 37 mm-hmm. millimeters it's incredibly well finished say what you will about the movement the 6r movement yeah that's a may- maybe the only thing left wanting here yeah, yeah especially for the price not a cheap watch 1700 bucks with a 6r right like yeah. just a few years ago you could get a 6r alpinist for like 385 bucks so there are i got one for 400 bucks right exactly so there are some some things that don't make sense with this watch that you'd wonder what are you gonna do here and and, and frankly i think seiko has got a problem i think that their movement selection for their sleeker watches in that mid-range are lacking i think we see that next year i think we'll probably see some seiko movement introductions um, one, well, I think we'll see one movement introduction next year to kind of fill that King Seiko void. Cause there's no way they're unaware of the fact that, that Alpinists should not be using the same movement as King Seiko. They just shouldn't. Yeah. Well, they don't anymore because right. the, the Alpinists get the four R now. <laughs> right. But, but that's, the, but I, I think, I think they'll correct that. And, and I'm I'm sure that are you predicting a new mid mid range Seiko movement? Next I'm, year? I'm thinking like a north like a like a, a north of mid range. Yeah, well, you know, like a, a three from the line, not a deep three kind of kind of range movement from Seiko next year to fill that King Seiko void because I think King Seiko is kind of a pilot, right? King Seiko's what two years old in in earnest, and I I think they put it out there to test the waters i think the waters have shown themselves ripe for that market Mm. and i think as a result they've got some things in the work to fill out that brand right this they're not going to reduce the quality of their existing lines and existing brands at large Mm. this was a market test with king seiko it has succeeded it it seems to have succeeded there's there's some shit in the pipeline to fill out that brand and and to to make it fill the void that Grand Seiko created without being a direct competitor of Grand Seiko. We're not talking spring drive shit here. We're talking a we're talking some cool shit. Otherwise this brand doesn't make sense. This line doesn't make sense if you are going to create a luxury feel without something to power it in that world. How how thick is the 8L movement? 
Yes. So the problem with the six R movement, they're, they're a little thick, I think. They're, 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 they're like they're thick like, boys, right? Um, let's see here. So the eight L. Are you gonna give me dimensions here, caliber corner? Uh, this fucking dial though. God. I, I don't think caliber corner is gonna give me dimensions. The problem with the six R is is chunky boy, and and your your prediction here, I think, is a, a little cray. Um, but it could be that you're right. It could be that it doesn't make any sense to to create a line underpowered. Right. It makes sense to test the line, to test the the new brand effectively without without its full strength. But they've seen the ass that King Seiko is generating. And I think they're gonna power it. I think they had something in the works. They wanted to pilot King Seiko to see how it worked while the finishing touches were put on this movement i think we'll see something really cool from seiko next year that'd be cool man it, it, you know the 8l movement i i'm struggling to find a dimension on it um but if there was a way for seiko to take this movement and you know dumb it down a little bit make it a little less nice um but also retain some thinness uh, but the 8l i feel like the 8l is usually used in like big boy watches so i doubt it's super thin yeah I, I, the bottom line is seiko needs a thinner movement right they do and they have it i'm sure they do they're just finishing it what do you got buddy <sighs> deep breaths my favorite watch release of this year it's not the tag wire no the c1 bel canto from Christopher Ward. Never heard of it. You know, it, it most people haven't. You know, it's it it, it kind of came in under the radar. And it's not and sold out instantly. It's not particularly special, right? <laughs> kind of a boring release from Christopher Ward. We all know Christopher Ward dropped a repeater. A chiming repeater. Our repeater. And, you know, this might be an unpopular opinion. I'm not a big fan of the looks. It looks very skeleton to me. It looks very like Richard Mille. Why the fuck is this on the dial of my watch? But the more you look at it and the more you understand about it, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. This this is a space view for a chiming hour repeater. I accept. The reason this is my favorite release of the year is number one, because it's a space view. What do, you, just, what do you mean by that? Hey, this is a really cool thing that we've done. Look at what we've done, right? This The space view didn't, emerge as design, right? The, the, the Bulova space view was a dialless watch that was meant to show people the movement to see how cool it was. And then they would order it with dials. 
like what do you what's going to go in this thing and cover this movement it was so popular exposing that movement that it became a watch <clears throat> to show the inner workings of the thing that's what Christopher Ward did here. They wanted you to see the inner workings of why this is. Hmm. Right? It's not an open heart. It's not a skeleton. It's a look at what we were able to accomplish. At a somehow affordable price. Yeah. <clears throat> Extremely affordable for what's going on here. For what's going on here. Right? You look at comparable chiming watches. And they're, we're not even in the same sport. This is my favorite release of the year because of the passion, the work that went into making this technology accessible. That makes me really, really excited for the pressure that it puts on other brands to innovate in the way that Christopher Ward just did. It is super fucking cool. It's not easy to tell the time. <laughs> it's not, right? It's, <laughs> Whatever. it's it's effectively a 12 o'clock subdial. Secondary. To tell the time. But you will be alerted every hour. This is so, so fucking cool. Affordable hodorology is what this is. Yes. This is a game changer for the accessible market because I think affordable is a bit of a stretch for this, right? This is still a stretch, big reach, big purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. So what is 3,500? 30, yeah. 30 north of three. Yeah. Right. This isn't a cheap watch and it shouldn't be because this is some shit right here. They changed the game. They did something huge. And I cannot wait to see what's next. You, you know, if you're if you're not regularly hobnobbing with important people in the industry like we are, you may not know this, but uh, this is. I'm joking, by the way, for you at home. I'm joking. We so. just hobnob with each other. <laughs> uh, the, you, you know, this. I th I don't know that this indicates what is coming for Christopher Ward in any meaningful way. No, I don't. This this isn't going to turn Christopher Ward into like Jacques Hedrow. Yeah, no, you know, we're not going to see like Chopin and like this. They're not going to turn into that. But it reveals <laughs> it reveals something about Christopher Ward that I think is important. So Jorg Bader, who is. I don't know what his title is, but he's sort of the face of Jorg. The, that's his title. His title is Jorg. <laughs> he is sort of the face of their watchmaking efforts. And Jorg is more excited about this watch than he is about the Aquitaine or the Sealander or any of their other sort of made for. Those were inconveniences. Those were inconveniences. This is what he wants to be doing. This is what he loves. And this isn't the first watch that he's sort of taken off and really flexed on. But this is the one that I think he's the most proud of. And so knowing and, that and he's he such, yeah. knowing that he's such an important part of the brand and that he's such an important part of what they're doing, 
I think this showcases something about what Christopher Ward's priorities are Mm -hmm. and it's meaningful in in that sense. And um, yeah, if, if you, if you weren't impressed by the super compressor and if you weren't impressed by the moon face shit they're doing, because those are, it's kind of easy to miss those, right? Like, like the super compressor, I don't even think anybody I don't think people totally realize how important that watch is. No, what they just they overlooked did. it. They're like, oh, that's neat. Um, this is impossible to miss. Christopher Ward is a legit watch company making making legit watches, and this puts a point on that. And they're, and they're demonstrating to the horology world that it can be done. You don't have to be ninth-generation made in the foothills of the Alps watches to be fucking legit. Although Jorg is kind of that. He is that. (laughs) But you also, you also don't have to be charging $25,000 for this shit. Yeah. This can be done at relative scale with relative affordability. And it's dope. This that this is my favorite watch of the year because it's maybe the most important small brand watch that's been released in the last decade. So I bought a watch a few years ago at a wind up event that was from a company called So Labs. Ooh, it was a plastic watch. Are you taking my thing? Hundred percent. Do you fucker? <laughs> <laughs> and at the time. We talked to, uh, out or around that time, we had Rick and Andrew, Andrew being a bastard in banks, Rick being the sort of design influence of Solabs, one of our most favorite and drunkest episodes of 40 and 20 of all time. If you haven't listened to we it, we're just fucking take it. <laughs> recommend you go back and do so. Um, <laughs> with that said, we we knew at the time that they were working on an automatic steel version of their layer watch and they did it they did it they did it they released it we've had hands on they kind of debuted it at wind up this year in october like it it existed right but it was sort of debuted and brought forth in october at wind up the layer two Two. series sw220 which is a which is a fucking rad movement, by the way. Yeah, ten Atmos. Like this is this is all the things you liked about Solabs, with the full correction of the things that you were kind of like, mm-hmm, I'm not quite sure about. This thing is dope. It fits great. It wears great. It's somehow both understated and quirky. Somehow at the yeah. same time, and. It all moves. That whole dial is constantly moving. It's so fucking cool. You, you know, uh, there is a certain something about this watch. You've got this variation on the colors on that back layer that I don't even fully understand. But the influences here are obscure a little bit tricky to pull out the design though the actual design is something to marvel at this is different than 
any watch that exists and which is not to say it's revolutionary but it's unique mm-hmm. and i really like that. without being fucking weird right there's a lot of unique watches out there that i'm like cool yeah that is unique that you you did something not cheap 1300 bucks one of the things about the solabs that i liked the original layer the layer one was ah, this is these aren't 1300 bucks these are 965 money okay okay i'm sorry that's an important that's an that's a $400 difference and that's important. These are under $1000 right now on pre-order. Oh yeah. $1300 is the retail price. Yes. So, under 1000 today. Pre-order for January delivery. I think that they have all of these still available. I'm looking. I'm trying to Yeah, you can add them all to the cart right now. Five colors. We've got well, they they all have names. I Obsidian think. Frost is their PVD out. Charcoal Fog, Iced Oatmeal, Iron Flamingo, <laughs> and Plum Punch. Uh, of these, Iced Oatmeal is my favorite, although my least favorite name. <laughs> Followed closely by Plum Punch. I, I, I like the Iron Flamingo. It's kind of gray with black and a little bit of pink flourishes like a flamingo, which wouldn't make sense because it's called Iron Flamingo. Andrew, have we done it? Uh, no. No, oh. no, 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 no. I no. have one oh, more. Oh, God. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh, I see it. The Laurier Zephyr. How about that? It is their... <sighs> How about that? Their straight dress watch, right? It is a... I... Rectangular... Like fat rectangle. Tonneau. You know, I, a Tano is a barrel. That is a barrel. I, I understand that. I think Tano was maybe one of the worst definitions of a case shape that could ever be made because Tano could describe everything from this to a Bok Talk, right? This but if is, there is a Tano, this is it. Tano is literally barrel. That is. That's not what a fucking barrel looks like. Have you ever looked at a barrel? That's a barrel. That is barrel shaped. Okay, that's barrel shaped. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> so the in Laurier- a first in Freudian twenty history, Everett was right. Yeah, and I accept it. I don't like it, but I accept it. Um, this six pack is escaping me while I'm trying to retrieve a beer. Thirty-one millimeter case, eight millimeters thick, forty-two long, and it's. Gorgeous, right? It has all of the dial texture that you've come to expect from Laurier, which is kind of their thing, right? Like Laurier does these very, very 60s, 70s style designs with acrylic crystals, but I would define Laurier by their dial texture. Heavy waffles. Super heavy waffles. This is, you know... Sort of like a rose-turned... Yeah, rose-turned is... is absolutely the right choice the finishing on this is great when i saw pictures of it i was excited about it i didn't fully appreciate this watch until i put it on in person and this thing is money like this is the dress watch yeah the only thing i don't like about it though not enough loom which tracks i'm joking yeah because there's none loom 
they, like exactly none. They could pipe it in maybe into the uh, into the texturing of the <laughs> dial and do a full loom <laughs> roast turn <laughs> dial. There's something there, right? There, there's maybe there, there's maybe some potential to make this a sport watch. It's not a sport watch. It's very <laughs> very different from Laurier's lineup, but it has all of the Laurier DNA. This sits perfectly next to the rest of their lineup. And I'm excited to see the dress watch feel kind of re-emerging. You know, we last year, maybe two years ago, we did a, a lamentation to the, the dress, dress watch. watch is dead. It's dead. And it hath been. It's been dead for a time. Laurie is doing something to try to revive it. And it's super cool. This was a release this year that got me super excited. This was my third favorite pick of the year with the Solabs layer two being my second favorite pick of the year of releases. This is, this is a great watch. Check it out. Um, 90, 29, two hands. Yeah. This is a two hand watch. You guys, this and is a true dress watch. Less hands, more better. I could, I'm, I have been on the show on record before saying, I think I would be okay with a single hand watch. And legibility is here too. Yeah. And it's gorgeous. Beautiful watch. Blued hands, like the like Santos blued hands. It's gorgeous. $4.99 on pre-order now. It comes in a beautiful white, a lovely black, and like a black gilt. Yeah, and I'm not a fan of the gilt. Not a fan. Interesting. And what are we going to call that third color? Um, I'm trying to find it. I only Burgundy? Have to... What do they call it? That's what I'm trying to find, what they call it. Yeah. So we don't, they don't care what we call it. It's red. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to call it burgundy, but it's, it's also red. It's Pinot. Pinot, is that what they call it? That's what I call it. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. The white is the, is the money shot though, for sure. Andrew, have we done it? Did we round it up? Did we, did we recap it? Are we done? Can we move on? It would appear that we have done it. To 2023. Yeah. 2022 is done. Done. We have announced our favorite releases, the biggest news, and recapped what was a really exciting 2022 for watches. Yeah. Agreed. Some shit went down this year. My favorite year in watches since, since we've been doing this. Yeah. Thanks, 2022. Mm-hmm. Andrew, other things. What do you got? Ooh, I got another thing. As I discussed uh, earlier, I have had some sleeping problems this week, which means that I've watched a lot of television while trying to tire myself. I saw a news article recently that was like, you need to watch this next Netflix movie today. I watched Bullet Train. Oh, Interesting. I've heard terrible things. And I sort of expected to hate it. Brad Pitt, correct? Yep, Brad Pitt. So it is a David Leach of Deadpool and uh, I think Knives Out, right? He did. Yeah, that sounds right. Yep. Uh, so he he's a John Wick fella, Deadpool, um, Bullet. Like Obviously, he did Bullet Train. Um He's been there, right? He's he's been peripheral to he's a lot of these things. He's been there, and 
started it. And Brad Pitt's kind of in this weird phase in his career where he, where he like, I don't know. He's like trying to shirk off being one of the, like one of the dudes of his generation. You know, I think back to burn after reading where he's just like this goofy fuck. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense for Brad Pitt, but he wanted to do it, which means he got to do it. And as like, it was just weird. Um, so start this movie. Brad Pitt is again, this kind of goofy fuck. And then they start introducing these characters and it has this like interesting collision between like a, um, a Tarantino super small space because Tarantino's movies are often in like really restrictive spaces, right? Hateful eight is what comes to mind immediately. Reservoir dogs is another good example. Um, you know, his, his part of four rooms in the, his entire story really happens in this confined space. But then he tells the story outside of this space, though it's occurring in this really small space. This movie is occurring on a bullet train as it's traveling through Japan. It had a very Tarantino feel, but collided with Ocean's Eleven, with this huge cast of these people with these big personalities. And, And the more I watched it, I was like, oh, I kind of am okay with what's happening. It's a phased story that is they did this really interesting job of of slow revealing things and then backtracking to why that thing matters like in a very Tarantino-esque feel but in a pace that made sense and I was shocked by how enjoyable this movie was it's not a good movie okay that I want to be super clear like this isn't a cinematic masterpiece this is just a really entertaining fun kind of bring you along with the ride movie and it it worked it was really well acted all the characters you hated but simultaneously were rooting for and you were kind of the whole time wondering right that like you didn't know what was going to happen this wasn't a super predictable movie i mean it was predictable in so much as you knew how it was going to end you just didn't know how they were going to get you there. And that was fun. I dug it. It's on Netflix right now. It is worth the two hours of your time, especially if you can't sleep. This was, this worked. I was, a, I was like actually really surprised by how well it worked. I'm going to watch it, but it, it I've worked heard bad things. And it, now I'm excited because the, the bad things are all totally valid. Whatever, right? If this it's is, enjoyable, I'm good with it. And that's it. It's kind of Kill Bill-esque, right? Where like you get these forward and back flashes and you're not, and you, and you know, right? You're not, unlike Kill Bill, where you're not entirely sure where you are in time. You know where you are in time because if you're on the train, you're on the train, you're in the modern time. But things kind of push around and they move around and there's these personalities that all have histories together. It was is fascinating. Andrew, you know why I think we're the best watches podcast around? Why? Because we record in the same room. I think we're the only watches podcast that I can think of that regularly records in the same room. 
And there's something that happens in a room with you that wouldn't happen if we were over Zoom or whatever. Yeah, you'd be judging me a lot right now. I would. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, I've got another thing. It's because of the pants. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm at my house. I don't have to wear pants. I have in the last year ordered... Doom. Well, I, 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 it, so let's go back 18 months. <laughs> I am... Uh, I am a person who wears glasses on my face because without them, I can't see, uh, which means I need to have at any given time, at least two pair of glasses. I need to have a pair of sunglasses with your level of responsibility. I would say three <laughs> and I need to have a pair of clear glasses. <laughs> um, I can't wear transitions because I am not a psychopath. Yeah, but um, I, I do see the appeal there. I need to always have two oh, pair of glasses. Them. I hate seeing the semi-smoked lenses. My oh. dad has a pair of transitions, and I make fun of him. Yeah, yeah. Only psychopaths wear transitions. Uh, with that said, I, um, I'm also not the most careful guy in the world. Like, let's let's just let's just put it there. I'm kind of clumsy. I'm sort of forgetful. Uh, I can admit these things. You're a little bit careless with your things. I'm a little bit careless with my things. So I. But you know what though that that make that means you're living in the moment. I, you're like you fully <laughs> enjoy that fucking moment that you're living in, and future effort can deal with the consequences. So regularly, I find myself ordering glasses. Glasses cost a lot. A lot, right? Sunglasses cost a lot. Even just regular glasses cost a lot. I recently found myself in the need of a pair of glasses, and so I ordered a pair of glasses from Warby Parker, which is a company that I've heard of a billion times and had just never done it, right? The 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 quality is going to be suspect, blah, 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 blah. And, and that checks out, right? These things are not like, these things are not fantastic glasses. However... For 95 bucks, you can get a pair of single vision lenses delivered to your house. You can oftentimes try before you buy. Um, With I, your prescription, try before you buy? No, no, no. Okay. Uh, no, they're, they're, it's purely uh, get really close to the mirror and see if you look okay or take a picture of yourself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but you, you can often do that. Uh, I've sort of figured out what I like in glasses, so I'm able to just go say, oh, these ones will work, and I order them. And for 95 bucks, so I'm now on my fourth pair of these because <laughs> two pair, here. L- literally two pair have been eaten by the dog. I lost a pair. Another pair got stolen. So What's going on with the lenses you're wearing right now? Dog. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> with that said, I, I have found this process to be incredibly easy. It takes a little time from the time you order them I'd say you're about three and a half weeks to the time you have glasses in your hand, which is a long time if you don't have glasses, trust. But yeah, 95 bucks, 95 bucks for very good for frames and lenses. Full meal deal. I'm not even submitting these to insurance at this point. I'm That's just some next level shit copying. Um, and I, I think it's one of those things. The reason I'm talking about my other things is because I've been a glasses wearer for years uh, and have never done this before. And there's other companies that do similar things. I Warby Parker is the one that I'm now familiar with, and they've got eight billion lenses, or excuse me, eight billion frames. They've got all the options that you want. They with, have Dahmer glasses. They with, also have a try on virtually option, which I'm trying to allow my permissions yeah. so I can try on some glasses. Yeah, I, I, I'm skeptical that that actually is a meaningful thing. Uh, with that said, the quality has been great. Yes, some of the frames are better than others, 
the more expensive. So there's some that cost about 200 for frames. Those are better than the $100 versions, but the $100 versions are fine, especially if you go through glasses as fast as I do. Yeah, you do. Um, man, I'm telling you, if you're a glasses wearer and you haven't tried Warby Parker, give it a shot. You upload your prescription. They do a weird thing with your camera to measure your pupillary distance. You order your glasses. Boom, boom, pow. They get delivered three weeks later. You have new glasses. 95 bucks. I'm not getting paid by Warby Parker, although I should. Yeah, the opposite. How many you buy from them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of not getting paid, we do have some sponsors for this episode. Show new. This episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast, is brought to you by Escapement Media. If you're starting a new watch brand or have an existing watch brand, Escapement Media has your photography and video needs covered. Once you see the photos, you won't be able to escape. Check Escapement out at escapementmedia.com. By Foster Watches. Great effing watches. Check out the 11 Atmos Skin Diver, now on sale at fosterwatches.com. And by Frank Affronti Photography, offering images and videos of real watches on real adventures. Your favorite divers from 100 feet below to 14,000 feet up. Now accepting underwater bookings for March of 2023 at affrontography.com. Links for all of those available in the show notes. If you would like to advertise on 40 and 20, the watch clicker podcast, send us an email at hello at watchclicker.com. And, and thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the watch clicker podcast. Check us out at our website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post weekly reviews, articles, all the good stuff. You can also check us out at Instagram at watchclicker or at 40 and 20 underscore watchclicker. That's an old story. <laughs> if you'd like to support what we're doing here, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. Look, guys, that's how we afford all the microphones that I'm bashing and the hosting fees and everything else. If you want to support us, we'd love it. And don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>